he's really slimy. Um, yeah, very, just like, just like Buscemi looks, yeah. you know, he's got that sort of face. Like, I don't know if I can trust a guy with a face like that. Welcome to episode 94 of the Movie Bite podcast, a show all about movies, movie reviews, movie news, trailers, and more. We're recording on Wednesday, June 25th, 2014. I'm TJ, your host, and joining me today, I'm not sure if he's the real thing or a clone insurance policy kind of thing, it's Hopkins 6 Echo. Hey. How are you, Hopkins (laughs) 6 Echo? I'm doing all right. Draper 245. No, that didn't work. <laughs> Draper 2 Delta. Uh, 2 Delta. That works. I was trying yeah. to think of a, a Greek letter. And why, why am I going on about, you know, phraseology and stuff from the island or, or whatever? You may not even, our listeners may not even know uh, because I talked about, uh, we, we did not talk about doing this uh, to the listeners. So this is kind of a surprise, but I. Surprise. Yeah. We're, we're going to be reviewing the island today. It's an older, well, it's a 2005 Michael Bay film. And I, I just, I, I just, I don't know. I was kind of interested in the fault in our stars, but I just can't get up the, the care to see it. <laughs> you know, I don't know. Uh, and I mean, it, it feels, I, I will see it eventually. I just haven't gotten around to it either. So yeah, I mean, it feels like very much like kind of a a, a teen drama movie kind of thing that I, I just don't know how much we'd have to say about it. I don't know. Well, it, yeah, it's it's based on a young adult book, so which I mean, there's plenty of young adult material that I like. I, I just this one just felt a little maybe strange to do on movie by the more I thought about it. I don't know. What do you think? Am I just being weird? No, I can see what you're talking about. And, you know, I, I mentioned to you, I don't know how much I could talk about it. I, I enjoyed the book. I'm sure I would enjoy the movie, but uh, I it would probably just be a list of scenes in which we cried. So it's <laughs> true. It does look like a very emotional movie, and I'm sure I'll see it at some point. Although there's been a lot of movies that I thought I would see at some point that I still haven't. It's just a a uh, artifact of being so busy, I guess. And, and you know, so. seeing as many movies as we do see, you know, at least one a week for the Movie Bite podcast. So. Yeah, I actually saw Edge of Tomorrow again last night. Just as good the second time. Oh, good, good. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I wish I had the budget to go see it again. I would, I would love to see that again. Yeah. Well, uh, I missed you last week, Chad. I meant to put this in the show outline. I completely forgot. Uh, uh, Joe and I, not not Clark, but Joe and I talked about how to train your dragon two. Yeah, and, and I, I, I saw Joe's opinion, um, or I saw his review. I didn't. I haven't listened to the episode, so what, what, the, what did you think? Wait a minute. Wait, whoa, wait a minute. You haven't listened to your own <laughs> podcast with a guest host? I, I haven't had the time. <laughs> uh-huh. I see uh-huh. how it is now. I will listen, I promise. Well, okay, so his, yeah, his his opinion is basically unchanged. I was not able to sway him from his <laughs> uh, strange opinion about some things there. Uh, and, and Clark was uh, f- not feeling well is why we had Joe on, and so... Yeah. Um. He Clark, I I understand is doing a little better, and hopefully will be fully recovered for next week when you're gone. I'm gonna cry again. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so hopefully Clark will be back. Uh, there's a possibility maybe of having uh, Fizz on next week as well. So we'll see about that. But so I want I want to hear your opinion about how to train your dragon too, and 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 how to train your dragon overall. I just you know we can spend like maybe five minutes here or something. Okay, well, I really enjoy the first movie. Um, it's one of my roommate and I's go-to movie. Uh, we, we see it, uh, we watch it maybe once a month, something like that, while we're <laughs> while we're at school at least. So you're not tired of it? No, I, I love the first How to Train Your Dragon Good. film. Uh, watch it all the time. And um, I, I, if I rated it, I think, let me see, I, I might have reviewed it on my 
my site. I'm going to look it up real quick, but I want to say I gave it maybe four and a half stars. Um, I'll, I'll keep looking at that, but I'll go on. That's, what, uh, I've that's seen, what I gave the first one is four and a half. I gave How to Train Your Dragon, or I, I, I've seen How to Train Your Dragon 2 twice now. Um, I went to a double screening before my cruise, uh, so I got to see the first one in theaters for the first time, um, which was awesome. And then I watched the second one right after, which was also awesome. Yeah. Um, and then the cruise line that I went on is affiliated with DreamWorks. And so they have DreamWorks parades and character appearances and stuff like that. And so they actually showed How to Train Your Dragon 2 in the middle of the ocean now, on the cruise ship. Now, how can I get some of this money that, that you apparently have? <laughs> uh, my, my grandparents <laughs> paid for this for their 50th anniversary. Okay. So, okay. Uh, yeah. But... Anyway, all that to say, I really enjoyed the second one. Um, I think I'm trying to decide where I'd rate it. At least four stars. Yeah. If I thought about it, I might give it four and a half. I'm not sure. I. It's hard for me to really differentiate it from the first film as far as my opinions go because I think that this one did a really good job of building on the characters and it gave some good twists and it, it just really built onto the world in what I thought was a good way. Yeah. Um, and so if I saw it a couple more times, really thought about it, I might bump it up. But it, I would say this is at least the same caliber as the first movie. Yeah, and, and uh, I don't, well, you haven't listened to the episode yet, so you, I guess you wouldn't know. I, I gave the first one four and a half, and this the second one I give four out of five. I didn't feel like it was quite yeah. as good, even though it was definitely more emotionally impactful. Um, right and and very uh, as I mentioned in that episode, my my older children uh, could barely handle it. They were pretty weepy at certain points oh. of the film. Um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah. So I'm glad to hear that you uh, liked it better than Joe. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, what his I, I was, was disappointed. I, I <laughs> got my internet back, and I was going through Twitter and Facebook and anything else I keep up with. And of course, Joe's review pops up, and I, yeah. I was just a little disappointed to. See that he didn't enjoy it as much as we did, but I mean, well, everybody has their opinions. So. That's Joe for you. I mean, sometimes <laughs> the, the poor guy he has to be a contrarian. So. Anyway, that's why we love him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who doesn't love Joe? Joe's a great guy. Uh, it's just bless his dear heart. <laughs> you know what that means in the in the South when it says someone says bless bless his heart. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, it's good to get your opinion on that. I, I wish you had been on that episode with me. I feel like we would have had more agreement and, and been able to talk about some themes a little more as it was. You know, I was kind of yeah. butting heads with Joe a little. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Joe Joe would have been that one uh, sort of excluded. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that would have been fun. But uh, alas, you uh, you had, uh, you know, rich relatives paying for your, uh, you know. And anyway. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> Well, um, so we talked about a little bit about the young adult stuff uh, in relation to uh, the Fault in Our Stars, and now we have a kind of a almost a trailer. It's it's, it's a teaser from uh, Mocking Jay, which is an upcoming young adult uh, adaptation of a of a novel, um, uh, and and actually uh, it's the first part of an adaptation of one novel. It'll be part one of uh, um, Mocking Jay. And uh, this is I, – I actually like this sort of ad campaign. This this feels like they, they probably filmed this for the, the film. Whether or not we see the ad in its entirety in the film or not, I don't know. We probably will. And then they just sort of released it. It's an ad featuring, uh, you know, the uh, Donald Sutherland, President Snow, uh, talking about the, uh, you know, Pan Am and the Capitol. This is 
Since the dark days, our great nation has known only peace. Ours is an elegant system, conceived to nourish and protect. Your districts are the body. The capital is the beating heart. Your hard work feeds us, and in return, we feed and protect you. If you resist the system, you starve yourself. If you fight against it, it is you who will bleed. I know you will stand with me, with us, with all of us, together, as one. And am today, and am tomorrow, and am forever. I, I mean, I just, I just love this sort of marketing. I think it's really good stuff, and and I, I love, you know, knowing, being familiar with the story as I am, you know, I, I know kind of what's going on. But I was reading some comments from people who apparently have not read the story and they're interested in the movies. Like, why, why is Peta, you know, standing next to him and looks like he's in support and whatever? And these these comments are really just going, it's like going at it. I'm like, wow, did nobody else read the books? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. So what, what did you it's think? Definitely very, very cool. Um, you know, I've seen people post this around today. Uh, and I hadn't gotten around to watching it yet. So I was just, when I started hunkering down to get ready for the podcast, uh, I finally sat down and watched it and it's, it's very cool. Um, and I noticed in the article you linked to, at least it said, uh, we're hoping for Katniss's response now, which I think would be a great way to continue the sort of viral marketing that they've got going on. And, you know, yes. the hunger games is the perfect franchise to do this with because, because of the nature of the setting and the, the, the way information is spread throughout the world, you know, it's, it's very cool. Yeah. And, and I, I feel like this will also be followed up pretty quickly with, uh, some real, a, a real trailer, um, because this, this is coming out on November the 21st. And right. so we're, we're pretty close to trailer territory and I'm, I'm really excited about this film and excited to see what's going on in the world. And I love the last film so much, right? Uh, you know, and, and, and even like, I remember when we talked about it, you know, Mikey and, and, uh, and you, I think too. And I think I may have come to the same opinion, like, this the second film may have retroactively lowered my opinion of the first film. You know? <laughs> yeah, that, that's exactly what I said. And uh, so I'm really excited to see where this is going. Same director as uh, the previous film, uh, which the name is fleeing my mind at the moment. Um, uh, Gary Ross, isn't it? No, no, no. Uh, or was he the first one? He was the first one. Gary Ross did the first one. He did okay. He made some choices I wasn't necessarily, um, you know, crazy about. And uh, so let me look up here. The Hunger Games, uh, Catching Fire was the previous one. Uh, that was the name I was looking for. And then Francis Lawrence directed The Hunger Games, Catching Fire. And uh, so let me look and make, make sure I'm right on this, but I'm pretty sure that if I remember correctly, Mockingjay Parts 1 and 2, yes, but also yes. being directed by Francis Lawrence. Um, and I'm trying to see, let me see, you know, one thing that I've been really impressed with this franchise is the music as well. And yes, it looks like the it's the it's going to be continue to be the work of James Newton Howard, which I am just ecstatic about. He's done amazing yeah, work. Me too. This this his his work on this franchise has just been awesome. Yeah. So uh, and 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 we got a taste of some of that uh, you know some of that theme that he wrote as the Capitol's theme you know in this in this uh-huh. trailer. It's almost like he wrote it for the Capitol that that it's part of the movie, not necessarily the soundtrack, but it is part of the soundtrack too. I mean that that's just, that sort of thing is just really cool. <laughs> Yeah, and it should be noted that this teaser trailer already has 1.6 million views on YouTube after just being posted this morning. 
Yeah, and it's definitely good. I mean, there's definitely young adult garbage out there, and and this is not young adult garbage. This is good not stuff, and I'm I'm very happy to see yeah. that it's doing well. So, really excited about this. If you couldn't tell, me too. <laughs> I I am curious to see how these uh, next two films go, just because the first half of the book, if I remember correctly, was more political than actiony. Yes, um, and so I'm I'm curious to see where they actually split the the story. And if they include any of the action that's in the latter half of the book in the first half, sort of like they did in uh, Deathly Hallows parts one and two. Yeah. And I, you know, I remember being uh, not surprised in a bad way, but surprised in a good way at just how true to the story Catching Fire stayed. And and Francis Lawrence really just helmed that ship right straight down the storyline, you know. And so it will be interesting to see if he continues that trend where basically there there may not be a good stopping point, but we're just going to we're just going to stay on the course until we get to two hour mark and then we're going to cut it off and then continue it the next part. Or whether they're yeah. going to rearrange some things. And I feel like if I were a filmmaker, this book feels like in order to split it in half, you'd have to rearrange some things in order to get it to work. That's what it yeah. feels like to me. Yeah. Um, and I'd be okay with that as long as it's done well. I mean, like you yeah. said, uh, Catching Fire was very well adapted. If I don't think it would be hyperbole at all for me to say that it's uh, probably the best book to film adaptation I've seen. Um, no, I don't think so. I, I think that uh, – see, and that's the thing. Like there are two types of adaptations of books to film. There's the Shirley Temple type of, of adaptation. You know, where a lot, there's a – I use that kind of because she was in a lot of films that were adapted from a book but were nothing like the book, right? Right. And that's that's really the old school of thinking about how to adapt a book to a film. It's like, well, you take the inspiration from the book and you t- tell a story with the characters of the same name and kind of the same setting but not really – and then we've been getting closer and closer to real adaptations from the books, you know, especially with Harry Potter and, and all these films. And uh, so, so there's kind of two schools of thought, and there's still that thought out there. And sometimes I agree, like, take a book and make it inspiration, but then make it a good movie. And that was my problem with right. a lot of, this is blasphemy to some people, but a lot of the old <laughs> Shirley Temple movies, like, they were just awful. They were just bad, <laughs> you know. Um, so, so, so I, I'm, I'm kind of divided on this. I liked Catching Fire so much that I, I did not have a problem with how true it stayed to the book. But if it needed to deviate from the book, I would have been okay with that. And, and so right. what I, what I hope they do is I hope they don't steer the course to the detriment of the films. I hope yeah. that they, I hope that they adapt it as necessary. One, one great example of that is uh, uh, Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban, which is an, a, an excellent book, a quite excellent book. Uh, not not my favorite in the series, but it's maybe third a uh, third favorite in the series. Perhaps I, I I'd have to sit down and figure it out. I don't remember for sure. <laughs> um, yeah, it'd have to be third because there are two that I like better. Um, so it'd have to be at least third. But the movie um is not a bad. It, it it does not follow the exact course of the book, but it's not a bad film. So it no. can be done well and, and adapted well, even if it doesn't you know stay straight on the course. Right. So. Uh, you know, I figured you'd have more to say about the Harry Potter thing. Oh, I mean, um, lots of people would argue that the Prisoner of Azkaban is the best Harry Potter film. And um, I can certainly see. I'm that. not saying I necessarily completely agree, but it, it is pretty high up there. Alfonso Cuarón did a great job with that one, and um, in the way of speaking about over adaptation, where everything's exactly the same, that sort of goes back to Fault in Our Stars. That's the, the the main criticism I have heard for Fault in Our Stars, the film, is that it's almost just like you put the pages on the screen. Right. Um, which we don't want. Um, Catching Fire did th- that pretty well, but they did add enough here and there, and 
really bring out elements of the book fr- from the page that it was different enough to really stand on its own. Whereas um, what I've heard about the Fault in Our Stars is read the book, watch the movie, you're getting the same experience. And that's not necessarily what I'd want. Right, right. Yeah. And as much as we talk about Catching Fire really staying true to that course, I did, you know, they did change enough things to, to make right. it work. So, yeah, I'm excited to see where this goes. And, and I'm, I'm sure as good a job as Francis Lawrence did with Catching Fire that he will adapt it as necessary or not as necessary. So I'm, I'm, I'm pretty confident with this franchise in his hands right now. Me too. Well, let's talk about Star Wars because uh, we must always talk about Star Wars whenever there's news about Star Wars, mustn't we? We must. Yes. <laughs> That's so, uh, a rule. So we, we, I, I don't remember if we've mentioned this on the podcast or not. I know that I've mentioned it on the site, but there's more news about Harrison Ford's injury. Uh, if I haven't mentioned it before, we got news that he had been injured, probably a, possibly a broken ankle, and that he was off the Star Wars set for uh, six weeks is, is what we had been hearing. There was no official word. Uh, but now we're hearing that uh, Harrison Ford's Harrison Ford's leg has been completely broken, not just his ankle, his leg. The rumor is that he'll be sidelined for six full months, which means Jeez. the movie's either getting delayed or massively rewritten. The potential news comes from the UK-based site Jedi News, who says sources told them of an emergency meeting at Pinewood Studios this morning to discuss how to handle Ford's sudden unavailability. Since Ford's Han Solo is reportedly the film's lead, the only way to make it uh, make its Christmas 2015 release date, which Disney has refused to move before, is to rewrite Ford's scenes or rewrite the script entirely. This is um, this is one of the. Uh, it, it doesn't feel that bad, like you know. People break their legs sometimes, although at Harrison Ford's age, it's not good. But, right. um, you know, people do break their legs sometimes. So you don't think of it as like, you know, disastrous news. But this is actually really quite disastrous for this film, at least if they're right. trying to keep that release date. I mean, it's not good. No. <laughs> I'm, I I really hope, Chad, that they they delay the film rather than rewriting it. I mean, to me, Disney really needs to to quit being such a pain, you know, cause I've, right. I've all, I've already been worried about Disney refusing to budge from that date that, I mean, and it felt like they were floundering a little at first trying to find a director and it's like, and, and, and the writing challenges and stuff that they've had. It's like, y- y- if you have to push the date, it's not the end of the world. We'd rather wait for good star Wars. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, and I, I would certainly like to see a sort of Harrison Ford Star Wars led film. He's he's still got it as far as I I can tell. Oh sure. Um, and I, I hope he wouldn't get massively cut out of the film just because of an injury that he couldn't really help. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it like I said, it's it's way it's a way better option to delay the film. I will wait for good Star Wars. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> so re, re, rewriting the script at this point really feels like a a massive. Uh, disaster a compromise that i'm not willing to live with and and it doesn't it would not bode well if that's what they decided to do like like that's that's the machine saying uh we're gonna you know we gotta crank it out here and hit this date so that we you know make the maximum amount of money and and instead of going oh no the story is we got a great story and we're gonna make that story work you know that that's yeah (laughs) mad on this uh there's this is an old tweet this happened right after he actually uh broke his ankle or whatever actually happened i don't know uh but this is from adam chitwood over at collider Mm -hmm. and he says breaking what the harrison ford injury tells us about the plot of star wars episode seven han solo may use his ankles in a scene (laughs) (laughs) i love that yeah make sure that gets in the uh outline and i'll I'll put it in the show will do and somebody else tweeted at him and said spoiler spoiler alert hello (laughs) (laughs) 
well, yeah. So, so we we hope that uh, the injury either is not as bad as has been rumored now, and and you know it's entirely possible this whole rumor mill has gotten out of hand. That's ent- always entirely possible. Or we hope right. that they'll delay the film uh, and and make the story work properly. <clears throat> yeah. Well, speaking of uh, sci-fi uh, that kind of happens up in space and in the stars, I wanted to talk about. I know you, I know you won't care a bit about this, but this is yeah, my. Po- I'll, let, I'll let you take <laughs> take is, the wheel. This is my podcast. <laughs> I'll do what I want. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the TNG season six Blu-ray. For those of you who don't know and are not in the know on the lingo, TNG stands for the Next Generation or Star Trek: The Next Generation. Uh, this is the season six Blu-ray. I've been really excited about and to see the uh, remastering of this series because this is the best Star Trek series. Um, <clears throat> it's, it's certainly not perfect, but I think I think the Next Generation. I mean, it's 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 what I grew up on, Chad. I mean, I don't even think you were born yet when I started watching this this uh, this series. The um, Next Generation. Yeah, it was. It started in 1987, and I've I've watched it okay. off and on it's- ever since then. So. Uh, it's it, it's kind of my childhood memory of growing up with this series. I mean, you know, people who grew up in the '60s, their their Star Trek is you know is is the original series, but this is my Star Trek. <laughs> um, and I really really love uh, season six, especially of Star Trek: The Next Generation. This is when everything was you know all the gears were meshing together properly and synchronized, and it was a well oiled machine. And that's not not saying that as a bad thing. Sometimes that can be a bad thing, but this is this is when Star Trek: The Next Generation clicked in a really good way. Um, unfortunately, I'm not going to be able to uh, get all the remastered episodes right away. I'll have to get them as my budget allows, you know, a season at a time, probably. Right. Because um, I, you know, I already own all these. <laughs> so, uh, but I, it, you know, the, the remastered episodes that I have seen are fa- they, they look fantastic. And I've talked about this before. One of the things I'm really excited about is is they're they're staying true. Like like with with the original series, they had to because of the you know in the sixties they just didn't they couldn't shoot the models very well and they just were not able to upres those and use those models and it would have looked bad anyway. Um right. and 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 I, the remastering of the original series kind of suffered a little bit because it was done on a television budget and the CGI just wasn't great. It was done on a really low television budget. Um, right. N- we're not talking about like you know Game of Thrones budget or or. Uh, you know, or uh, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. budget. We're talking about pretty cheap. And you could tell, I mean, the, the effects of the original series remastering suffered from it. It was very digital looking at times. Uh, they got better perhaps over the course of, of those three seasons. But but this this series, so what they're doing is they're going back to all the original model work and all, I mean, so they're not, they're not CGing anything. They don't have to. It, they're just, they're, they're essentially just recompositing and remastering the film because this was shot on 35 millimeter film. So uh-huh. it, it's really fun to see this process, and it, it, every episode that I've seen that's been remastered looks absolutely fantastic. So I've been really excited about this, and season six is the best episode of The Next Generation. So uh, – I'm sorry, the, the best season of The Next Generation. Um, and, and you know, just to uh, point out a couple of great episodes we had in, in that uh, – uh, season was relics uh, with, with where Scotty uh, from the original series made a, a an appearance in that episode. He had been caught in a transporter malfunction, uh, and, it, and it was a really good way to bring him into the series. Such a great episode, Rascals. I, I you know a lot of people don't like that episode. A lot of Star Trek fans don't like that episode. I like it. I think it's goofy but fun. And we had some really great interaction between Guinan and Ensign Rowe. Uh, Chain of Command. Arguably, some people would say the best episode of any Star Trek ever. Um, uh, it's way up there. It is a really great episode of, uh, it's a two-parter, a great episode of, uh, Star Trek. Um, 
face of the enemy, you know, Counselor Troy uh, finds herself in a situation where she's been, uh, she's undercover as a Romulan. Uh, Tapestry, Birthright, Parts 1 and 2, Timescape, great episode, and Descent, Part 1. You have to wait to the next season to get Part 2 of that episode. So, really fantastic season of uh, The Next Generation, now out on Blu-ray. Um, and I've also got a link up to Matt Wright reviewing the entire Blu-ray experience over at uh, trekmovie.com. Uh, and uh, he's got screenshots and screen caps, and it just it looks fantastic. And uh, I'm I'm just really excited. I I know it doesn't really show, but I'm really excited about it, Chad. <laughs> I couldn't tell. So I can't wait to get my hands on this as as the uh, probably the couple of years pass as I start collecting the remastered uh, Blu-rays of this series. So, and I really hope they remaster Deep Space Nine because Deep Space Nine is a really good uh, uh, really good series in the Star Trek franchise as well. <sighs> you you got to watch this stuff, Chad. You got you you, you got to watch this stuff. You have to do I it. Will eventually. What does that even mean? Eventually, what what is wrong with you? <laughs> there's a, there's a there's a lineup. There's a, a, this is, a pecking this is, order. This is not far enough up in the pecking order. Apparently, if this is not at the top of your list, <laughs> what what is no. ahead of it? Pray tell. Ah, uh, I'm not sure. I have to look. <laughs> All right. Well, Chad, why don't you tell us about the Transformers? Because uh, I've been doing a lot of talking because you didn't talk at all in the last segment. No, I didn't. Um, well, apparently the absence of Shia LaBeouf has not changed the reception or at least the early buzz of Transformers 4 That's just right. yet. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, I remember texting you a few weeks back. I said, you know, TJ, I just saw a new Transformers trailer and I didn't hate it. Didn't say I liked it, but I didn't hate it. And I keep yeah. I keep going back and forth thinking, okay, so pros and cons. Pro, no Shia LaBeouf. Con, Michael Bay. <laughs> exactly, Pro, exactly. Stanley Tucci. Con, it's still Transformers. And so uh, I'm still thinking this won't be a very great film, especially since early buzz seems to indicate yeah. that it's just more of the more same. More of the same, yeah. Um, but I I don't know. Yeah, Angie Han has a uh, write-up over there where she's kind of uh, collected the different reviews and things, uh, the, the early, you know, buzz coming out. And this is coming out this weekend, so, um, you know, so, and, and here's here's kind of, and here's the thing, Chad, like, I don't think I've had anybody on this podcast that I've ever talked about the Transformers with that, that actually liked the Transformers. No. Uh, and I don't know anybody in real life who like likes. Yes, I do. One person who who, who likes Michael Bay's Transformers films. I do know one person he at work. Uh, he's one of the designers, and and I will forgive him because he's a pretty good guy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, uh, he he has sadly sadly misinformed about the Transformers. Um, I, I, other than that, I, and I've certainly not had anybody on this podcast that I've talked to about it that liked the Transformers. Um, well, I've only um, seen the I've only seen the first one, and I just cannot bring myself to watch any more of this utter <laughs> trash. I, um, I haven't watched any besides the first one on my own free will. I, I think I've seen parts <laughs> of the third one on a band bus during a trip once, but uh, other than that, um, you know, and I I think the first one for what it was for what it was trying to do is a passable film. I did not hate the first Transformers movie, mm. but. But I and I know Mikey feels the same way. Um, Guys, ganging up on me again. <laughs> but uh, 
I, I completely agree that the second and third one failed to interest me at all. And I don't think I'd like them if I did officially sit down in front of a television and try to watch. And I, I honestly don't plan on seeing Transformers 4 in theaters since I don't have to review it. So. Yeah, well, unfortunately, there's nothing else out. And uh, we're already <laughs> we're already slacking by not reviewing a new film this week. So we're, we're reviewing an older film, which we do occasionally on Movie Bite podcasts. And I wouldn't mind doing a little more often. I just never think of it. And, you know. Anyway, we are talking about Transformers 4 next week, so I'm going to have to see it. And I it's, I kind of want to go back and say, okay, I want to get the full scope. I want to watch all the Transformers. But then I go, oh, no, no, I don't want to do that. And now I'm kind of out of time anyway. Yeah. Um, so I don't know. I don't think I'm going to have that context. I don't know how big of a – I know this is kind of a quasi-reboot. I don't know how big of a break it will be. I know there's new characters. We're not going to get Shia LaBeouf or Buff or however you say that or, or Megan Fox, thank goodness. Um, but uh, I, I don't know. I mean, in Mark Wahlberg, I've liked him and stuff and, and you know, Stanley Tucci, but uh, Michael Bay, you know, even though we're talking about a Michael Bay film today, we'll, we'll get to that. Um yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, anyway, so but the early buzz, the critics are certainly saying it's just more more Michael Bay stuff. So uh, uh, go figure. Yeah, the, the the link is in the show notes if you want to read more about about that. So, um, oh, I meant to group this with the Star Wars news. This is bad on me. I'm sorry. This is not very well disciplined and focused. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> going back to Star Wars, um, Joe Darnell posted on Saturday. I think because he just couldn't contain his excitement. You know about Star Wars news. Uh, he actually posted on Saturday while I was away, and he was covering for me. Uh, he posted that Ryan Johnson has just announced was just announced as the next Star Wars director. He linked it up to Hitfix, um, where they say the interesting thing about Star Wars movies is that Lucasfilm is going to be making so many of these that they're going to be something of a television atmosphere to it. And I don't mean that in any sort of derogatory way. At this point, there should be no stigma at all about television, considering the way something like Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad or The Walking Dead look and the way they dig deep into character and theme. Blah, 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 Ryan Johnson. <laughs> Sorry, I was, I was exactly looking for the news says. there. What? That's exactly what it says. Yeah. I, <laughs> I expected to get to the news sooner than that, and I, I didn't, so I just skipped ahead. Uh, so Ryan Johnson is going to be directing uh, Star Wars 8. We don't know why J.J. Abrams is not doing that. There's been a lot of speculation well, uh, is Disney already unhappy with J.J. and they're just trying to, you know, stack the cards correctly? Or is it that they really just need to start production on the next Star Wars film and J.J.'s not sure he wants to do it and they've got Ryan Johnson and it's almost like, well, you get a Star Wars film because you're a geek, you know, geeks love you and you get a Star Wars film because, hey, they love you too. You did that Looper thing and, and you get a Star Wars film because, hey, you're a pretty good director too. Uh, what, right. um, who is it that's doing the, uh, the, the Star Wars spinoff? Um, oh, quick, quick, quick. Dang it! There's one other Star Wars director already been announced. Um, he yeah, did Godzilla. Right. Godzilla. Uh, uh, oh, Gareth. Edwards. Gareth Edwards. Yes, thank you. So it's, it's almost like, hey, you get you get one too. You know, here you go. <laughs> We're just handing them out like candy. <laughs> yeah, and, you know. I really uh, feel like that's more what's going on than uh, than the, the drama where people are like, oh, J.J.'s Star Wars isn't going to be any good and they're already you know stacking their cards for the next one. I don't think that's no, it. No, I, I don't think so either. Um, uh, this is good news. Uh, yeah. I really enjoyed Looper and, yeah. uh, the hit fix actually says that he directed some episodes of Breaking Bad, which I knew, uh, I can't think of which episodes off the top of my head, but, uh, those are both really good signs for me that we're going to get a great episode eight out of him. Yeah, I really think so. I'm, I'm, I'm getting more and more excited about the Star Wars universe again, which after, after the prequels, I never thought I'd say, I'm just so glad <laughs> to have George Lucas out of the picture. 
(laughs) Honestly, I feel like that will make all the difference. It may not ever live up to the Empire Strikes Back, but I I, I think we're going to be much better off. I think so, too. I think the best thing we could have done for Star Wars right now is uh, pull Lucas out of the picture. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. Well, um, I wanted to mention uh, this trailer for The Judge that stars Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Robert Duvall. Joe Darnell also posted this while I was away. The infamous Hank Palmer. The jaded lawyer with no respect for the law. Did that just happen? How does it feel? Knowing every person you represent is guilty. It's fine. Innocent people can't afford me. Is there anything other counsel can add? My mom passed away this morning. Is this the first time your mother passed away, or is this something you do on all the cases you're about to lose? First time. Uh, and and I not really uh, taken the time to look at this or see you know really pay attention to it. And then so he posted. I'm like, all right, I better I better see what he's posting on my site when I got back. Uh, <laughs> you know, and it does star people also like Billy Bob Thornton and you know Leighton Meester. You know. <laughs> but, but you know Robert Downey Jr. and Robert Duvall. Okay, okay. So I watched the trailer and it looks really good. Have yeah, you it seen looks this? great. I, yeah. I actually saw the trailer before Edge of Tomorrow last night. I think, um, and it was the first time I'd heard of it, let alone saw the trailer. Um, and wow, it, it was the only trailer I saw last night that looked good, and it looks really good. Yeah, and it's interesting. Uh, Robert Downey Jr. is apparently producing this, uh, and, and I'm, I'm glad to see Jun- Robert Downey Jr. getting to a point where he can start making really what he wants. I, I really feel like Iron Man has really launched him into some great success that he, he can hopefully run with. Um, right. You know, and and you know, not everything is for Robert Downey Jr. But when, as long as he picks the right roles, um, you know, I don't think he'll, he's like this chameleon actor, sort of like Patrick Stewart could be, for instance. Um, uh, just throwing a random name out there. Um, but, uh, I'm trying to think of another chameleon actor. I could get away from the Star Trek reference, but anyway, Daniel day Lewis. Y- yeah, sure. There you go. Uh, he's no Daniel day Lewis, but in the right roles, he's fantastic. And this looks like exactly the right role for him. Uh, he yeah. said, Susan and I are delighted that this wound up being the first movie produced through our team Downey production company at Warner brothers. Downey wrote on Facebook. It's a drama with lots of heart and wit might be the best thing I've been a part of yet. Beginner's luck, perhaps. So cool. I'm really excited to see this. Me too. Yeah. Um, I'm looking for a, uh, a like a summary of The Judge. Let me find that real quick. Here, I've got one. Okay, go ahead. Henry Hank Palmer by Downey Jr., a successful lawyer, returns to his hometown in Indiana for his mother's funeral, only to discover that his estranged father, Judge Joseph Palmer, played by Robert Duvall, the town's judge, is suspected of her murder. He has to now defend his father in court against Dwight Dickham, a lawyer determined to see Joseph put away. And uh, Dwight Dickham is Billy Bob Thornton. Yeah, and I'm, I've seen Billy Bob in a couple of things and whatever. He's not great, but you know, hopefully he won't bring the movie down for me. <laughs> and uh, Thomas Newman is actually directing. Okay, who's he? Or uh, not directing, uh, doing the music, sorry. Oh, okay. Um, Thomas Newman, he's the guy who did Finding Nemo and The Help. And okay, I was going to say, the things. name sounded familiar, but when you said director, um, it didn't click. David Dobkin is directing, and okay. he has he was producer for Jack the Giant Slayer, mm. executive producer for R.I.P.D. Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean a, a couple of comedies. He he directed Wedding Crashers with Owen Wilson mm. and Vince Vaughn. Uh, <laughs> I, that's not like let's, good news. Let's not dwell but, on. Let's not dwell. No, on. <laughs> we won't. Hopefully, Downey Jr. and Duvall Duvall looks great too. Yes. I, I, I'm yes. hoping this is going to be a great film. Yeah, I think it it will be. 
Um, I don't know if we really want to take the time to talk about this too much, um, but uh, Joe Darnell, one more thing that he posted while I was away. He he really had a great run the couple of days that I was away, <laughs> and he posted a really great um, a, a really great op ed. When I grow up, I want to post stuff like this. Um, <laughs> and he surmises that good films get marketing late in production, and so he mentions Transformers Five along with GI Joe Three, Paranormal Activity Five, Hansel and Gretel Two, and Beverly Hills Cop Four are all slated for release in 2016. Kind of me skeptical about all of the above, since the films in these franchises leave so much to be desired. If you're into these films, you and I would have some serious disagreements. Why are we already hearing about these films anyway? Some of them haven't started production, not so much as the first sentence has been typed for their scripts. Uh, so he goes on with that that line of thinking and analysis and notes that some of the best films don't get their marketing until later in production. And, and you know, as I was thinking about that, I, I really tend to agree with that. Uh, every, and when you think about it, you, you typically don't hear as much about really good films early on. But right. when, when a studio is really pushing a film, they tend to start marketing it way too soon, and that's not a good sign. Yeah. Um, you know, one of the – Biggest examples of good films getting poor marketing, or at least late marketing, or both, um, is John Carter, uh, which was directed by Andrew Stanton of Pixar, uh, who, you know, he's, he directed Wally and he directed Finding Nemo. Um, so he's got two really great films under his belt, and his live action debut comes around, and it's John Carter based on a classic sci fi fantasy novel that inspired an entire century's worth of art and stories, including Star Wars. Um, and the film absolutely bombs at the box office. And it's because mostly because of poor marketing. Um, there's a book I read called John Carter and the gods of Hollywood that ex- explores that. And, um, in, in that instance, at least, but I think that that same thing happens all the time, just like Joe's talking about, um, these really good films or films that I would enjoy, at least, um, you, you don't hear anything about, they sort of just sneak up on you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Totally. I've had that experience a lot since I've been running Movie Bite. It'd be like a film will come up, and you're like, oh, that looks interesting. You go see it, and wow, that was fantastic. And I didn't know anything about it until a few weeks ago. Right. So, yeah, that happens a lot. All right, well, that's uh, kind of the end of our uh, items of interest, and that will bring us to our review of The Island. copies of people out here in the world. The Island is a sci-fi film that was directed by none other than Michael Bay. So you might find it a little bit strange that I like this movie, but I really love this movie, Chad. Um, <laughs> you know, the uh, it was it came into theaters on July twenty second, two thousand five. Um, when did the first Transformers come out? That was after that, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I want to say like. Uh, here, I'll look it up while you continue talking. Yeah, so it was July 22nd, 2005 is when this film came out in theaters. It had a budget of $126 million, so a pretty, you know, fairly expensive film. It's a Michael Bay film. You'd expect that. It bombed at the box office. It opened to $12.4 million, and it only made, thus far, over its worldwide gross, $162.9 $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162. $162.
And uh, the critical claim on Rotten Tomatoes says the island is another loud and bombastic Michael Bay film uh, movie where explosions and chases matter more than characters, dialogue or plot. I, I, I just I can't help it. I have to note that that is completely unfair. Um, <laughs> it was directed by Michael Bay writers uh, Cap Caspian, Treadwell Owen, Alex Kurtzman and Robert R- Roberto Orsi starring Ewan McGregor, Scarlett Johansson, uh, Jimon Hansu. It's a strange foreign name that I can't pronounce. Jimon Hunso. Ah, there you go. <laughs> uh, I completely butchered that. Sean Bean, Steve Buscemi, uh, Michael Clark Duncan, Ethan Phillips, uh, Brian Stepanek. Um, music by Steve Jablonski. If I do have a complaint with a film, it's it's. I mean, I have a few. We'll get to that. But the music wasn't as good as it could have been. No, and uh, Steve Jablonski is not the greatest composer either. Right. So that's sort of expected. Yeah. So uh, what what did you, what did you find out? Oh, uh, Transformers was two thousand seven. Okay, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking two thousand seven. Which, which kind of – we'll talk about a theory that I have in a little bit. Uh, okay. It's, it's probably a little bit over-analytical for Michael Bay, but we'll, it'll, it'll kind of, that kind of helps with my, <laughs> my theory. Um, okay. so, so, Chad, why don't you uh, tell us about the story of this film? Okay. Lincoln Six Echo is a resident of a seemingly utopian but contained facility in the year 2019. 2019 for TJ. Yes, thank you. Like all of the, like all of the inhabitants of this carefully controlled environment, Lincoln hopes to be chosen to go to the island – reportedly the last uncontaminated spot on the planet. But Lincoln soon discovers that everything about his existence is a lie. He and all of the other inhabitants of the facility are actually human clones. Lincoln makes a daring escape with a beautiful fellow resident named Jordan II Delta. Relentlessly pursued by the forces of the sinister institute that once housed them, Lincoln and Jordan engage in a race for their lives to literally meet their makers. Yeah, that last sentence is uh, <laughs> corny out yeah. the wazoo. Yeah. Anyway, but that gives you an idea of, of what the film is about. If you haven't seen it, which why are you even listening to this podcast? Go watch the film first. Um, <clears throat> so let's let's talk about this film, Chad. Um, this is uh, this film is not without its Michael Bayishness, but I really feel like for the most part, the story overcomes that. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. You know, I, I don't know if I'd ever heard of this film before you said, hey, Chad, you need to watch this. And I said, OK, because <laughs> that's what I do as a good co-host. Of course, of course. <laughs> well, it's just really interesting. It, it, it just didn't in, – in, I feel like I was actually reading through a bunch of reviews before the show uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, and I'm like, that's unfair. That's unfair. That's unfair. I feel like it got pigeonholed um, into this Michael Bay like all the complaints were oh it's Michael Bay again and and yeah it is and and so it's not like it's un um it's it, I guess it's not really unfair but it's unfair because it is a really good movie it's not unfair to Michael Bay it's unfair right. because the film should be judged on its own merits like every film should even though right. even though I I fall into this trap too even like I I refuse to see Transformers 2 and 3 because the first one is so bad maybe they're good films I don't know uh, maybe there, maybe there's a island, and th- there's a film like The Island in there. <laughs> uh, but I, I sort of doubt it. Um, so, so yeah, I feel like this film really got uh, a sl- slammed when it is. It's actually has quite a good uh, plot in there, which is surprising given that Michael Bay is not known for such things. <laughs> right. It was very interesting. I w- I enjoyed it. Yeah, and, and and one of the things I I actually don't know if I've ever noted this before, but you always find something a little you know a little bit that maybe you haven't seen before when you watch a film again. And uh, I watched this. Um, was it last night? I think it was last night. Uh, I watched it, and um, it has a really effective opening scene where you know you've got this really dreamy music because it, it is a dream, and you're you're kind of f- almost floating, and you kind of see, and all of a sudden the music just 
you know, stops. It, uh-huh. it was really effective and, and really kind of set the tone, I think, for the film. I, I really enjoyed that, uh, finding something new about the film that I hadn't really thought about before. So, uh, yeah. I will admit, Chad, that I, I may be pretty disposed to like this film because it deals with issues that I I find compelling, especially as a very pro-life uh, kind of guy. Um, right. I, I definitely picked up on uh, that message as well. Yeah. Great themes and messages in this film. And surprisingly, and, and, and almost wondered how much of this played into – uh, into the the fact that it didn't do well at the box office and is not doing well with the critics. Where most Michael Bay films do well at the box office and don't do well with the critics, this one didn't do well either way. Right. Um. And I wondered how much of that played into it. I, I don't know. But um. You know, it, it's a very pro life message. You know, dealing with cloning and clones. You know, spoiler alert. Sorry. Um. <laughs> cloning and clones and how you know how these are you know I mean they're treated like products and property and and they're not and and right. it's it, it's really great stuff yeah and you know the the whole story uh the the people who purchase these clones or pay for them to be made they they talk about how they they are unaware that these are actually conscious life forms they're they're told that they're just vegetables right, of course. Um, and uh the fact that that's having to be left out uh, I, I was going somewhere somewhere with this but uh, it's just, uh, I, I completely lost my train of thought, oh, no. but <laughs> I know I was going somewhere, but it, it's, it's a very good message. Um, I really liked that side of it. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, it, it's quite a departure for a Michael Bay film, no doubt. Um, you know, placing great emphasis on the plot. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> and and it, it surprisingly really takes its time to get going. Like this movie, it, you know, it, it has some pacing issues later in the film, but early in the film, it does not at all feel the need to rush into something and, and oh, make sure that the audience understands this and make sure the audience understands that. It really takes its time and it really subtly hints at what's going on. But you might think something else entirely is going on at first. I know when I first watched the film several years ago, I did think something. I didn't. I did not jump to the conclusion of of clones. Uh, I thought, oh, I thought, hmm, what's going on here is that uh, the Sean Bean character is not telling them everything, and it really isn't you know bad outside, and they're going to get out and they're going to figure that out. Well. Yeah, that's true, but this was not the angle I was expecting. Uh, <laughs> well, when and, I first started watching it, almost had a sort of Hunger Games vibe to it. Yeah, where people yeah. were being chosen, like uh, selected as tribute, if you will. Sure. Um, and so it was a nice surprise for me. Uh, I really liked the first half of the film, especially because it was very um, sort of sci-fi, kind of creepy. Yeah, it, it, it was a very interesting vibe in the first half. Things were too perfect most for the most part and then you've got the, the, this little subtle you know like uh you two need to separate your you know your watch your proximity and you're like what, what is going on here something's not quite right you know right and uh yeah it, it's really i really loved the pacing in the first part of this film it, you know and i would say in the first uh act and a half the you know the uh the pacing is is just perfect you know and, and just hits all the right notes for me really kind of subtly brings you into what's going on and, and and it's even though you don't guess where the film is going on first viewing, it, it makes complete sense. Like it's not it's not out of left field. You know, all of a sudden it's like, oh, I, I see exactly what's going on here. You know, right. Um, you know, and, and it has to be said too, uh, Ewan McGregor and Scarlett Johansson, I, I, you just can't. This film could not have been better cast than with those two. Right. And I think even Sean Bean is uh, oh, very, very good. here. Perfect. Even, even though he's sort of like 
always the bad guy. It, it's, it's perfect. <laughs> it really is. He, and this is not Sean Bean, Boromir Sean Bean. No, <laughs> no, this is, this is a, a very different Sean Bean, even a very different Sean Bean from what we see in, um, uh, National, what, Treasure. National Treasure. Yes, thank you. That's where I was going with that. Even a very different Sean Bean than you see there. He's he's actually, uh, you know, I've, I've seen him like I think in one role where he wasn't in some way a bad guy. And <laughs> and even though he kind of does the bad guy roles, he is such a chameleon. Like he really, really finds a niche for every role that he's playing and brings something different to it. I mean, it's really, really wonderful to watch. Yeah, he's got his own brand of menace yes it's very cool <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i it, it just because i knew i know who sean bean is and, and kind of what he does and how he acts when he's in that that scene with um with uh gondu i think yeah it was gondu uh-huh. the 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 uh the conspiracy guy and he's right. in there and he's you know he's really nice and kind to him but there's such a menacing quality to that conversation and you know that's not going to end well for gondu you know you know that is not going anywhere good and that is all Sean Bean. Right. Yeah, it's it's very good stuff. Um Steve Buscemi was uh Buscemi, Buscemi, how do you say that? Uh Buscemi is how yeah. how I've always said it. Uh he was really great too, which I I don't know that I particularly like the guy, but he he really pulled off a great uh, character here in this film. Yeah. Um I'm trying to think of things about his character. Um, he, he, he's really slimy, um, yeah, very- just like just like Buscemi looks. Yeah. You know, he's got that sort of face like I don't know if I can trust a guy with a face like that. Yeah, very, um, very seedy. Seedy is the correct right. word. But, but ultimately, it, he, you know, he did the right thing and helped help them out and stuff. Right. Yeah. Um, I, I liked him in this as well. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've already talked about that. Uh, I, I really love, too, the, the kind of the humor around the childlike innocence of the film. Um, right. I, it was just great stuff. Uh, and, and if you, especially on this viewing, I really got the sense that I, I hadn't gotten before. And I guess it's just been a while since I've seen a film like, man, Ewan McGregor really does a good job of walking that line where he kind of plays like this childlike character who's, who's really only three years old. And, and, and at the same time, uh, you know, not, not playing it so far down like a, like a three-year-old child, but, but really right. bringing that sense of, uh, uh, I don't want to do this. Every time I do, I want bacon. You know, what do you right. mean I don't get bacon? That's not, I want bacon. You know, very, very, right. you know, child. And when he's in that scene with uh, Sean Bean, uh, you know, in the office, uh, just, just a great sense of, you know, developing character where he's kind of childlike, but he's inquisitive and curious and, and starting to ask questions. Uh, oh, it's just great stuff. Great stuff. Yeah. Uh, I think you and McGregor is definitely the best part about this movie. Oh, for sure. I mean, Scarlett Johansson is pretty, pretty great too. Although she's playing right. second fiddle, Ewan McGregor. I mean, it, it's just, uh, and again, it, you know, anytime I see Ewan McGregor, uh, just like in the Star Wars films, even though I'm not a fan of the prequels, like I watch the Star Wars films for him. <laughs> right. You, <laughs> you know, know, and besides, uh, this film, the Star Wars films are the only films I think I've seen Ewan McGregor in. Um, so it was nice sort of for me to get to know him a little bit through this character after only knowing him through Obi-Wan. Yeah, and completely different character from Obi Wan. I really love that smile that he does, especially as as the actual Tom Lincoln, where he does that creepy. Uh, sure, sure, I'll go get ready. You know, and he's right. got that really <laughs> creepy smile. It's, it's just great stuff. Yeah, um, I'm trying to see what else he's been in. If you've only seen him in Star Wars, I feel like I know. Oh well, of course, Jack the Giant Slayer. I haven't um, seen that. He was in Moulin man. Rouge. Yeah, I've not seen that. My wife has told me that I'm I'm a bad person for not having seen that. I yeah, think, it's supposed to be pretty good. Yeah. I think that's right. Um, of course, the island. I'm just looking here. 
Uh, Big Fish. I, I know I've seen Big Fish. I don't remember him in that. Black Hawk Down. I know I need to see that. You don't have to tell me. Um, <laughs> let's see. I feel like I've seen him in something else, but maybe not. Um, he was the voice of the main character in Robots. Hmm. Good. Uh, I don't know that I've seen that. It's been a long time. I don't know if I'd associate with that that film with him if I hadn't just read it. He was apparently in August a Sage County, which I never did see. Me neither. Yeah, and oh, oh he was in mm. the Impossible, which I didn't get around to seeing, which I wanted to see. Uh, if I have the right film in mind, anyway, that's the one uh, where there was a flood, right, or a tsunami, right? Uh maybe I'm not sure. Uh, caught in destruction, kind and you know, yes, that's the one with the tsunami. Yes, yes. Uh, he is a fantastic actor, no doubt about it. And the, just the fact that he alone makes me able to watch this, the prequels um, <laughs> is, says something. If, I, right. I, I, I kid you not. If it were not for Ian McGregor, I would not be able to watch the Star Wars prequels. Or what about uh, Liam Neeson in the first one? He uh, makes a pretty good Jedi too. Yeah, but he was just – yes, <laughs> I like Liam Neeson, but his character is so non-vital – to any part of Star Wars and so poorly written that I really just don't care. Okay. Um, That's so, yeah. Fair. so yeah, Ian McGregor, good, <laughs> great in this film. Very, one of his best roles uh, so far, I think. Um, yeah. And I really, really dug the sci-fi tech in this film. And it's, it's not, um, I, I, hmm. I don't know how I feel exactly. I don't think it's completely outside the realm of possibility that clones could be created at this point. Um, and I feel like that that uh, this film is a really good kind of a guide to, you know what, you might want to think about this. If, if we are going to get to that point where clones are created, A, do we really want to go there? And B, they're going to be people. <laughs> right. Know? This is this, – they can't be treated like products. Yeah. So. And, you know, uh, there's that scene where Sean Bean is first explaining – uh, why they have consciousness after he's told the the investors or whoever they are, oh no, they're just vegetables. They never re- they never gain consciousness. Blah mm-hmm. blah blah. There's that scene afterwards where he says, you know, we we discovered that this doesn't work without the experience of human life, and I think that's a very telling statement in itself. Yeah, I mean, you can you can definitely you could totally see that. You could totally get that. Right. Um, I, I didn't think that was that much of a stretch to say that, you know, if, a, you know, if a human is not experiencing life, if they're kept in a vegetative state, they're just not gonna, I mean, think about, think about, uh, people who've been bedridden, they sort of waste away. And right. if you never gain consciousness, you know, the, the, the body has no will, no function to live and it's just going to sort of waste away. And, uh, right. you, you, I, 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 I totally buy into that, you know? Yeah. So um and and it's definitely uh, a really good commentary i mean obviously sean bean is just you know pure evil and and uh, you know i'm gonna do it this way anyway and, and these are not just people they're products um and I, I think this is a really good um you, you know i really liked the transformation that uh the guy's name who i can't pronounce who plays another name. Hoon yeah hoon sao uh, who <laughs> plays uh laurent um in the film i really even though i have some issues with with the way it's written i do like the uh, the transformation that he sort of makes and the point that he brings out, you know, toward the end of the film, I think is really poignant. Right. That's a, a really great moment that he has um, where he says something to the effect of we were deemed as less than human. And you, you feel for him and you feel for the clones and you realize, OK, he is on our side now. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, what else did you like about this film? Um, Like I said, the the. My attention was uh, on the film the whole time. It, it was one of the movies where, you know, I, I obviously watched it at home in my bedroom. Um, yeah. 
and I, I didn't really have my phone out. I didn't have a game that I was playing along with at the same time like I would for some movies. Oh, my gosh, um, Chad. You can't do that for movies, any movies. If, if a movie oh, is making you play a game or something, you just need to turn it off. You can't no, device. you know – have you have you never put on a movie as background noise like a movie that you really like that you, you know all the words to you can hear the dialogue and you know what's happening no i, I don't watch movies that way i can't uh, my oh. my attention has to be focused on the movie well my wife do does that, that and it drives me mad uh, I, I i mean i like both ways as far as that goes uh, okay I, I could put back to the future on just headphones and i'd be watching the movie in my mind while doing <sighs> something else um uh, you, but anyway hurting me <laughs> all that to say this movie did not make me do that um i i just my my attention was on it the whole time for all two plus hours of it and yeah so so that that's uh a plus in its credit yeah absolutely uh well i'd like to move on to um the dislikes uh if we're ready to do that um yeah. and my primary dislike of this film is the michael bayishness that this film does does delve into it is a michael bay film uh, yeah and, specifically and it, the very long action sequence yes the, the very long car chase thing whatever this film is about 20 minutes too long and i know exactly what 20 minutes need to be taken out of this film <laughs> right me, me too that the that's pretty much the only real complaint i have about this movie is that really stupid long but, action sequence but you know it's interesting i almost feel like what happened is michael bay got the script and he basically took his scissors and cut the last act off and moved it over and slid in his stuff and then pasted <laughs> the last act back then because because the whole structure is there and then there's just this extraneous 20 minutes right in the middle and this this definitely brings my star rating of this film down this could have been a much higher star rating film uh and an otherwise great film with a great plot um and I'm not saying I didn't want any of that action. I felt like the the the, the film warranted some action here in the in the middle of the film. Yeah. Uh, but but seriously, 20 minutes of of this guy just you know the 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 dude the Laurent dude just calling you know bring me the Black Hawk you know send in the Wasp do this do you know and you know shoot the shoot the sign down you know oh no the helicopter is crashing what are we going to do right uh, you know <laughs> and and it just delved into silliness that that yeah, that would be I mean, my primary dislike of this film. And like you said, it is 100% extraneous. There is zero story told during those 20 minutes of action. I know, right? (laughs) And then it's Um, like, it it literally is like story, story, story. Excuse us for a minute. We got to be Michael Bay. (laughs) Uh, Okay. Now back to the story. (laughs) Right. And that, I mean, the rating I have for this film is a good rating, but it is where it is at because of that yes yeah and i I'm, i don't remember if i warned you that that would happen or not i think i wanted to preserve your experience to see what you thought but <laughs> um yeah it, it it really does it's uh, and you know the, every time every single not, not the very first time i saw the film but since then every time i've seen the film the, the video editor in me because you guys may know i used to be a, a film editor and i still do that right. a little bit on the side um it wants to basically take this film and go, you know what? I think I could pretty seamlessly edit this and take out <laughs> at least 15 minutes and you'd never know. <laughs> right. <laughs> I think you would literally, I actually did that for the, for my own personal copy of uh, the matrix uh, revolutions. The second one. Yeah. I remember you telling me, um, I literally chopped out. I think I, if I remember I was something like 12 minutes and you cannot tell it. You <laughs> cannot tell. Yeah. You, you know, for the record, I think, there is a way to do a long-ish car chase well, um, i.e. the Bourne Ultimatum. Yeah, for, as a, oh, for sure. Has a very, very good one. For sure. Um, but this one, it was long. There was no story. It was confusing to watch. It, it just, 
it it ruined it. Well, I mean, you need to advance the story. I mean, to me, films are stories. They're they're not right. films are not like yes, films are spectacle, but films are stories first and foremost. And if a story Agreed. is not advancing for very much, you know, you can go a little bit without story advancing. But if the story is not advancing in a twenty minute span period, you failed. <laughs> right. You can do car chases and you can do crazy stuff, but you need to advance the story while it's happening at some point, or you know, or cut the sequence shorter and get back to the story. Right. Spectacle only works if the story is in place. Right. Yeah. And that, that is definitely my biggest complaint with this film right there is that that 20 ish minutes. So, yeah, um, you know, if, if I did have another complaint, um, I, I would say that the second half as a whole action sequences, notwithstanding, um, is weaker than the first half. I agree. Um, I agree. And I, I really like the sci fi sort of undertones of the first half where you, you have this sort of utopian slash dystopian society um and and you don't know where it's going and then the second half that almost all of the sci-fi elements are gone yeah and it's really like you're driving towards an inevitable conclusion like you know kind of the the first half i would say the first half or even a little more the film kept you guessing by this point you kind of know okay uh this guy is a good guy and he has friends back there that need liberated and here we go this is the ultimate conclusion and you know that neither of them are going it's huge spoiler alert here you know that neither of them are going to die so you know you kind of know where it's going and it's not that it's not enjoyable i just feel like they could have been a little more creative or they could have surprised us in some way and and, and, or i say they michael bay could have surprised us in some way and and he really didn't um and and you're right that's a little that that does kind of bring it down a little from a higher star rating unfortunately Again, not that it, not that it's not enjoyable in the second half. No, I, I agree. Um, um, yeah, you know, after I had watched it and I'd sort of came up with my own opinion of the film, I decided to look through some of the critical reception. And um, Roger Ebert said something that I I somewhat agree with. He says uh, the first half is a spare, creepy science fiction parable, and then it shifts into a high tech action picture. Right. Both halves work. Whether they work together is a good question. And while I wouldn't say to that extent that these two halves of the film don't work together. They are very, very different in how they feel. And um, I think that if we had maintained a little bit of that sci-fi creepiness element in the second half, I would have enjoyed the second half just a little bit more. Um, And I might've bumped up my rating by half a star or so. Yeah. But um, otherwise, well, and again, uh, I wonder how much of, how much of Michael Bay's insert. And again, I really feel like what happened is he basically got the script from Kurtzman and uh, Orsi and inserted his Michael Bayishness, and then I wonder if you cut that out, whether you would still feel that way or not. Maybe to some extent, but I don't think it would be nearly as much. Yeah, um, and you know, one other thing I just want to mention that Ebert said. He says uh, he he praised the performances of the actors, in particular Michael Clark Duncan. He has only three or four scenes, but they're of central importance, and he brings true horror to them. Absolutely, and I think that's something. I mean, he he's in maybe five minutes of the movie total, and he's very good in those five oh, minutes. Very good. Of course, but he's I, the. Uh, you know, I, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I think that's almost true for anything you put Michael Clark Duncan is in. I mean, he's not around anymore, but he was in uh, the Green Mile, and I think his role on that, while bigger than it is here, is also not huge. It's not a huge central role. Yeah. He's very good at these side roles that have a lot of weight to them. Yeah, and it did have a lot of weight. No, speaking of of you know his role, I there's a particular scene with him that is very difficult to watch every single time. I just oh, I just cringe and I shudder and I 
right. the bone saw scene. <laughs> yeah, I, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, that, that that's always rough every time. Uh, but yeah, very, very good. Um, he's he's very good at it. Um, you know, the only other thing that I've seen him in is the TV show The Finder. Really? Um, I don't know if you ever saw that show or not. It, it had a very short run. It did not. It got canceled unceremoniously, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, he's he's very good. Um, he, he did a voice in Kung Fu Panda, oh. uh, which is very good. Um, I'm trying to look through his stuff. Green Mile is his biggest role, I think. Um, he was in Cats and Dogs. That's Brother Bear. Uh, lots of sort of voice roles, but he, he's very good at what he does. Yeah. Well, I have a couple other dislikes, um, and uh, th- one of the other second secondary, you know, dislikes, not quite as big as the Michael Bayishness dislike, is um, that I wish that we would have taken a little more time. I, we, we did pretty good in the first half of the film, but even so, I wish we would have taken more time to explore more of the psyche of uh, Jordan and Lincoln, uh, particularly like wh- what would it be like to find out you've been living a lie, like you're a clone, you, you're nothing, you're a product. What what would that be like? What would that do to you? I I feel like there's a little bit of a missed opportunity here where they kind of just go, oh, okay, uh, well, obviously then our response is we got to go find a life to live and we've got to take care of this problem and we got to make the world aware. I feel like there's a little bit of a missed opportunity to really get into that psyche. Like it didn't feel like they had any repercussions of their self-esteem or or kind of their psyche. You know, I just felt like Uh that's a huge missed opportunity. You raised him as a pig for slaughter. What? Wait, huh? What? Harry Potter. Raised him as a pig oh, for slaughter. Oh, right. I don't know why. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when you were saying that, that's what came to my mind. Obviously, I need to go, yeah, listen, uh, I need to go listen to the books again. <laughs> but I, I agree. I, I think that there, it was sort of, oh, well, that's kind of unfortunate. Now let's move on. Uh, th- there wasn't a whole lot of time spent. Okay, wow. Um, yeah. Let and, me let me dwell on this for a minute. Wow, uh, this is this is heavy, Doc. Um, <laughs> <laughs> heavy, heavy. You keep saying things are heavy. Is there a problem with this gravitational pull in the future? <laughs> um, yeah, uh, and, and this I think this is directly attributable again to Michael Bay's tendency to uh, avoid uh, depth. <laughs> <laughs> at yeah. all costs. Yeah. It's, um, it's an so. unfortunate side effect. Yeah. And, and, and it's such a great plot that you really wish it would have gone deeper into that, I think. And that, that is when, when people talk about this film that, that actually do critically analyze it instead of chalking it up to a Michael Bay film, that is usually their complaint. You know, I was talking to Clark a little bit about this and that, that is indeed his complaint as well. It's like, I wish they, I wish they would have gone deeper. I loved the concept. I wish, and I loved what was there, the plot. Could we not have just explored that some more? Yeah. And, and that's, I think, what we all, all of us who are fans of the film, I think that's what kind of what we wanted. Yeah, take out those 20 minutes of action scenes and, and add and, a little character development. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> exactly. And speaking of character development, this is this is the final thing that I, I did not like about this film. Is um, the, uh, oh, I cannot pronounce his name, uh, but the, the um, Laurent character, his <laughs> transition, well, I like the concept of him transitioning and I like what he had to say to Sean Bean uh, Sean Bean's uh, Dr. Merrick. Um, yes. and, and I love that scene and that transition. It felt abrupt. Like there was nothing yeah. that led us to believe that he, as far as we knew to this point, he was a mercenary for hire and he had no conscience and there was nothing that led us to believe he was about to make that switch. Yeah. And, well, the and, scene uh, directly before that, we, we just witnessed him capturing uh, Scarlett Johansson's character. Right. Sir. Uh, and, Jordan, and, Delta, uh, Jordan to Delta. Right. And so, I mean, we go straight from her capture scene where not a lot is revealed. Um, 
but and 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 straight after that we see oh well he he might be a good guy he's on our side and right there's only one hint if you're really looking for it you, you see him looking at her tattoo Right, I noticed that. And and but but you you blink and you miss it. And that is the only hint. But prior to that, his he's like um you know, Sean Bean is basically feeling him out. Can I trust him with this secret, you know? And yeah. and uh and he's kind of like, you know, I'm I am in the business of keeping my clients secrets and I do whatever, you know, I need to do. And and that's it. Like and and and, and he's killing people. He kills civilians like in cold blood. And, yeah. and just there's no there is no hint of a conscience anywhere. And then all of a sudden he has one. Right. So that that would be my final dislike about the film. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't really have any others. Um, OK, I liked it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I have I have a final then uh, kind of a wrap up thought on the on the thing in, in general. Um, I think that the poor box office performance that this film received is exactly why we're getting the version of Michael Bay movies that we now get with Transformers and Pain and Gain and and, and garbage like that. Yeah. Um. And and not more movies that have at least a little bit of a brain like this one. And and, and it's because <laughs> he made a film with a brain like this one, and the audience didn't like it. So he's like, "Well, experiment failed. I'll go back right. to making the the garbage." <laughs> <laughs> Instead of just those twenty minutes of action scenes, we'll make two hours uh, plus of action scenes. Well, and this is the crazy thing, Chad, is people like it. People love it. People flock I, to the Transformers. They like the, these movies make money, and it's really irritating. <laughs> I I agree, and uh, unfortunately, Pain and Gain, although it was a bit more human than uh, Transformers, had the same problems. I, yeah, uh, vulgarity aside, it was I did not enjoy watching that movie. Yeah, so that that's really just my general overarching thought here is here we have probably the only Michael Bay movie that I really like, and 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 somebody did mention on uh, Facebook or Twitter or maybe both I can't remember um, about The Rock, and yes, The Rock is okay. It, it's it's it is a watchable Michael Bay film. Um, but, technically speaking, The Rock has a higher critic rating. Sure, I I just didn't like it as much as this film. Yeah, and 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 I would I would say, uh, boy, it's been a while since I've seen The Rock. But I, off the top of my head, I'm thinking three or three and a half stars. You know, whereas this film is higher than that for me. Um, yeah. So so yeah, that that's kind of my overarching thought here is this. I would like to see more of this from Michael Bay, and I feel like Michael Bay is a, a has. There's potential wrapped up in Michael Bay that we saw a glimpse of here that is just completely gone now, just missing just <laughs> and ripped, ripped out. His heart has been ripped out by the audience uh, saying, we want more mindless Transformers. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's unfortunate. Oh, well, all right. Well, do you have any uh, any uh, awesome wrap up thoughts that you would like to share with us? Um, not in particular. I mean, I, I, I was glad you brought this movie to my attention. I, I enjoyed it. Um, it, it, it does have a really cool sci-fi sort of start to it and whether that sticks around or not, the, the story for the most part does. And I enjoy what he does with it until the action sequences. But, uh, that aside, it's, it's a pretty solid film, I think. Yeah. Oh, wow. I just realized I forgot to mention one thing that really has bugged me ever since the first viewing of this movie. Yeah. And it's a it's a really stupid complaint. It's nobody else in the <laughs> world is going to know it. Only reason I know it is because I'm a filmmaker. There uh-huh. is a scene in the office of uh, Merrick where it's it's the first meeting that uh, Ewan McGregor, uh, where Lincoln has with Doctor Merrick. Right. And the dolly is the dolly is a dolly shot, kind of low, kind of just barely see Ewan McGregor over the desk, and it's dollying to the left, and it gets to the end of the track and it stops. 
and the scene continues, and then it starts dollying to the right again. That is a huge no-no. You never, ever, <laughs> ever reverse a dolly move like that in one continuous shot. You do not do that. It, it just feels weird. And every time, every single time, it's just jarring, and it's like, ugh, ew, what are you doing? I, I may not think much of Michael Bay's filmmaking ability, but wow, seriously, you that, that, that's amateur. That's amateur hour. <laughs> I will take your word for that, TJ. I don't know. I still have it rented for a few more hours. I might check it out just to see if it's really as frustrating as you make it sound. It's yeah, it's it's right. I, I can't tell you the timestamp, but it's it's that scene in Dr. Merrick's office and the camera is behind uh, Sean Bean and facing um, facing uh, Ewan McGregor and it, it dollies to the left and stops for a minute and then it starts dollying to the right again. It, basically, what it does is it, it communicates subtly. Most people don't know this, but they sense it instinctively. It communicates uh, unintentionality and lack of focus to the to the, of the camera to the audience. Yeah. It's something that you do not do. <laughs> so, um, and I, there's, yeah, there's a lot of other reasons why you don't do it. Um, that always bugged me. So I, I meant to mention that and I completely forgot. So I didn't mean to end on that sour note because I do like the film a lot. Uh, yeah. So that, that brings us to the end of our review of um, uh, The Island. I give it four out of five stars. Uh, I, I'm just under you. I'm giving three and a half out of five stars. And given the things that we talked about, I think that's fair. I, I just, yeah. I really have a lot of love for this movie. Understandably. Uh, as soon as I saw that it was a sort of sci-fi movie, I was like, oh, that, that, that's why. <laughs> uh, TJ likes his sci-fi. I like sci-fi, but I like it for more than the sci-fi. Like, I like right, a lot I of understand. movies that are not sci-fi that have good stories. Primarily, a movie has to have a good story in order to be good for me. And then right. if it's sci-fi, well, that's good, too. Um, yeah, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, obviously, uh, points. <laughs> hashtag, ob- hashtag obvi. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I really enjoy this film and I really enjoy sci-fi. Uh, speaking of sci-fi, we are probably going to be reviewing without you, Chad, uh, Transformers Age of Extinction. We've been talking about <laughs> that with Clark and possibly Fizz, uh, on the Trello board for our planning for next week. So Transformers Age of Extinction, um, I suppose it'll be fine that I haven't seen the other Transformers films. I don't think I'm missing anything. <laughs> I don't and think I don't think it'll be an issue, TJ. <laughs> I I am going to go out on a limb and predict that I am going to give this film a very low rating. <laughs> um, and I wish there was I, I should get to I should get together with Mikey and make bets on what the rating's going to be. <laughs> you should. There, in fact, he's he's already responded to me on the Trello board. He should jump in there and, and do that. Oh, um, okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, yeah, Transformers: Age of Extinction. I wish there was something else to watch, but there's not. So uh, that's what we're going to be talking about next week and clark will be joining me for the uh, next several weeks while you are away in some foreign uh country or planet or something like that i don't know all of Uh, the above yeah i don't know what you do (laughs) uh anyway but uh you're taking the next uh ship on warp nine out of this galaxy yeah uh a week from today i will actually be in london so well there you go our our uh our uh, brothers and sisters over there across the pond yes indeed well, all right, Chad. Uh, well, people are probably going to want to follow your antics and, and see what you're up to on that trip. Uh, where can they do that at? Uh, well, you can follow me personally at Twitter, uh, twitter.com slash chadadada, C-H-A-D-A-D-A-D-A. Uh, also on Facebook, um, facebook.com slash chad.hopkins. And then, of course, uh, it hasn't been updated in a while, but my movie site is chadlikesmovies.com. Yeah, what's up with that? You don't write for Movie Byte? You don't write for Chad Like Movies? I mean, what's up with that? 
I just haven't sat down to write in a long time. Um, and I'd, I'd like to, and I think, Oh, you know, I have time. I could, I could write a couple reviews right now, you know, catch if, up a little bit. And I, I just haven't done it. So, you know, if, if, if I don't write for a little while, my, 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 my fingers just start to just like, it's, it just starts flowing out. I just, I just have to write sometimes. So yeah, I'm sure understandable. I'm sure it'll happen. Eventually I, I've thought about trying to, uh, type up a few and have them post out while I'm gone. Um, but we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, if you want to follow me, you can do that as well. I am on Twitter, and that is the primary means by which you will probably want to keep up with me personally. I am uh, at twitter.com slash tjdraperpro. Uh, you can also keep up with my writing, where it just sometimes just flows right out, like I mentioned, at <laughs> moviebyte, M-O-V-I-E-B-Y-T-E dot com. Uh, if you want to find uh, show notes for this episode where you can get links to all the things that we talked about, uh, you can do that at moviebyte.com slash mbpodcast slash ninety because this is our 94th episode. So really easy to find those show notes there. Just type that in and there you'll go. And uh, if you would take the time to give us a rating in iTunes, uh, that helps uh, with uh, you know us get uh, up, up the charts and, and helps people find the show. And that'd be really helpful to us. So if you uh, like the show, which I'm, I sure hope you do because we really aim to please here. It's, uh, it's all we do. We're, we're just, we're just, you know, puppets we're marionettes and you guys are pulling the strings uh, so so uh we, we we really need the affirmation that's what it is uh, yeah. but yeah give us a rating and review uh if you would uh, just go to itunes and type movie bite m-o-v-i-e-b-y-t-e and uh hit enter and we are the very first result that you will see if you do that so be sure to do that that would really help us out and we really appreciate you listening and uh i hope you have enjoyed our review of uh, a film that's a few years old but a really good film nonetheless and i if you haven't watched it in a while um you know i hope that inspires you to go watch it again because it's a great film and with that uh we will be talking to you coming to you next week uh with uh, me and clark and hopefully this so uh chad have a great trip thanks i'll talk to you in a few weeks all right great talk to you later